0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: Welcome along, everybody. Welcome along, boys. Yes, I'm back. Apologies for the absence. I had to tend to one of my other four jobs there. You know, it's not easy to put food <laughs> on the table for three kids. Uh, but Nigel Ryokoker and Michael Ludis, great to see you, boys. Nigel, how are you doing?
3: Not too bad, thank you. Uh I think I might we might have a special guest in a minute. I can hear him rumbling in the background again. Joy's of I hear a dealer flavor.
4: Yeah. You, you I, can hear I, him, yeah. I think we might I have a special guest think, in yeah,
3: minute. I
2: think he wants to play a role in the show today. Michael Hood, how you doing, buddy? I know we've only got you for the first part of the show, but how you doing?
4: Uh, I was depressed last night after the Manchester Derby, but yeah, clean slate, Champions League. More to talk about.
2: I love to I hear, hear it. Champion Seek, we're getting ready for the action today. It's going to be fantastic. Tuesday and Wednesday's fixture lists are absolutely banging. Welcome in Jonathan Johnson as well to the show. <laughs> Whatever you we, like. we got a special this?
5: guest. Here what he is. is
2: this? We're live. <laughs> JJ, JJ, you're <laughs> late. Explain yourself. You're late. How are you doing?
5: Yeah, doing very well. Thanks. No, I was just having to, having to prepare my chat. Uh, Before getting on with these guys, because it's it's been pretty low quality recently. And you, I mean, you accusing me of slacking off. Oh yeah. How many many podcasts have you missed this uh, this last week or so? I'd like to apologise
2: for my absence, also
5: to you, JJ. Yes, unfortunately.
2: (laughs) <laughs> There's been a lot going on. Nigel might have to disappear in a minute to bring a special guest onto the show once again. I think he's just woken up there. Michael Hoods only joining us for the first part of the show. And Jonathan Johnson, you're here for the whole banger. Let's get straight into it. Let's talk Group A before we go anywhere else. JJ, you're just into the show. and I'm going to come straight to you. Let's talk Liverpool Rangers. Liverpool mm. seem seemingly struggling just a little bit. 3-3 at the weekend against Brighton. Questionable defensive issues. I mean, how do you see this game playing out against the jurors?
5: Yeah, I mean, a uh, wild game at the weekend against Brighton. And um to be honest, it just it just feels more and more like that final season that Klopp had with Dortmund at the moment with Liverpool it just it's not quite getting going for the Reds at the moment. Obviously they could click into gear at any moment. It's just I mean, for this match, I don't think that Liverpool have to be too worried, but Overall, uh, you know, they do look a bit ropeier than I expected them to. Um, I think this is a tough task for Rangers. But, you know, could they could they surprise Liverpool perhaps, you know, come away with a draw? I, I definitely think it's possible. You know, I, I think it's time to start getting a bit concerned about Liverpool, certainly in terms of sort of a deep run in the Champions League and potentially going all the way. But then again, with this season taking a break for the World Cup, uh, you know, who knows what sort of Liverpool will find the other side of that tournament.
3: Well, Jonathan, I guess uh, it's something that I've said before, I believe, isn't it? The the seven-year itch. I think I've said that yes. earlier on and Ian knows and he's my witness. I've said that it's very similar to what he experienced at Dortmund. And um, it's very interesting. I think, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, again, now I think that the big difference he's got now is he's actually admitting that there is a confidence issue at Liverpool and you can clearly see it with the players. And then obviously, even in this game, I'm sure Jonathan and everyone saw it. Trent Alexander Arnold, the situation he went through, with the England national team, and how the English press, as we know, can be so cruel at times. Jonathan being part of that gang, um, <laughs> destroying Trent's confidence. Hey, I'm, I'm registered. I'm registered in France. Okay, just <laughs> out. he's, he's French, he's French now. He's fully French. He's fully <laughs> French. Purposes. Close to ahead, but anyway, Um, Yeah, I think that they've taken his confidence a lot, and then you look at now. I think that. Trent is going to be a target. He's definitely going to be a target now in most games because he's lacking in confidence and it's not anything he's done. Jurgen Klopp plays Trent knowing the situation down his right-hand side, knowing that he gives more attacking-wise than defensively. But the fact is, the whole team is so low in confidence. All those players who are so used to covering... Wait wait,
2: wait a minute, Nigel. I got to jump in. You said not anything he's done. So so what is it then? Whose responsibility is it for his form? I mean, I don't understand well, that. I mean... form,
3: What you get expectancy-wise from Trent... We're used to seeing that. He brings more attacking sense to Liverpool than he does defensive stability. The problem is when your whole team is so low in confidence and they're not winning games, this is now when we really get the microscope out and start looking at specific stuff. What Trent is doing now is nothing new. He's always had defensive lapses down his side, but you've mm-hmm. got a Van Dijk on form on top class. He covers up the mess. Robertson on form on the other side, they cover up the mess and they're winning games. Now you're not winning games and drawing games We're paying more attention tactically to what the problem is and people exposing it now more so on the right-hand side and they're losing games and drawing games. So now all of a sudden it becomes a big thing. Trent's not great defensively. No, we've known that from when he was playing, but we didn't pay attention to it because they were winning. No one talks about Mm -hmm. anything when you're winning games. So I feel all of that has played a part and the fact that Klopp has come and said now that there is a confidence problem at the club just shows you where Liverpool are at. And I think that... It's not something you can really look at. I feel that they have the quality, they have the players, but they just don't have the confidence.
4: A player who I think is getting away with murder right now, when you talk about confidence, when you talk about players not showing up, when was the last time we heard of a guy with an Afro from Egypt, Mohamed Salah? (laughs) Since he signed the contract, he's disappeared. He gets away with murder. He hasn't been good in front of goal, and everyone's talking about Trent. Bobby Firmino stepping up. Bobby Firmino is carrying this team. Bobby Firmino was the forgotten guy. They brought in a striker to replace Bobby Firmino. No one's talking about Bobby Firmino. Oh, yeah. Oh, he scored this. He scored that. If it wasn't for Bobby Firmino, this Liverpool team would be even worse position and closer to the bottom of the league, and they'd be in dire straits in the UEFA Champions League. For this Liverpool team to get back in a good space, their front three has to be better in front of goal. They're replacing Sadio Mane, said it over the weekend. Mane scores goals. Lucho Diaz, heck of a player. He's going to get better and better, but Lucho Diaz is not a proven goal scorer. He's an impact player you can bring off the bench. He's going to draw players out wide, which creates gaps for what? Goal scorers, guys who can run in. I think this Liverpool team is still waiting for Mohamed Salah to step up. And in midfield, the midfield injuries, players getting back, it's going to take time for them to find their form again. Thiago Alcantara, that was the difference between Liverpool in the first couple of games and when they played Ajax last. That extra bit of quality in midfield. What we're seeing from the back line, there is a tweak. Yes, Trent isn't going to give you as much defensively, but... The effort factor, the effort factor, I'm seeing Trent stop maybe 30 yards from goal and watch. That is a player issue. That is not the manager issue. And and Nigel, you know this. You can give effort even when you're not in form. And, and your confidence will, will affect that. But that's down to Trent. If he just runs five yards more, then maybe that could solve some of the defensive woes. But in the opposite end of the field, I think Mohamed Salah not being informed, that's a bigger topic of discussion for Liverpool.
2: Don't you think it's more I mean, of a group yeah, discussion, Michael?
4: Hold, hold on. I want to get back after Mike
2: here real quickly yeah. here. Because you talk about Mo Salah. Nigel's touched upon, obviously, Trent. And and I think we're recognizing here it's, it's not just individuals. Because Salah can save the team and obviously push them to a title race and, and save the graces of the defense. I think you have to look around, Michael, at the whole team. I mean defensively not performing well Um, a lot of shots coming in on goal a lot of goals now being conceded offensively not taking as many chances as they normally would not as confident and in midfield there seems to be a bit of a bite that's missing from this Liverpool mm. team so I find it hard that you're both kind of talking about individuals here but Liverpool in a whole here Michael are the are the problem here it's not just about individuals here you can say Mosala, well, I think he's got four goals four assists on the season it's not bad yeah we'll, we'll...
4: go on Mike I think this is a Liverpool team that, go back to when they turned things around, it was individuals stepping up to take responsibility in both boxes. That's been the difference in Liverpool. And yes, the collective, but this is a Liverpool team defensively, Virgil van Dijk stepping up to take responsibility over the back line. Before he came in, their back line was a bit wobbly. They had the bite in midfield, but they needed a leader. They needed a physical presence. He hasn't been himself. Up top, Mohamed Salah and Mane step up to take responsibility. And Bobby Firmino flourishes as this playmaker. Right now, they're they're kind of floundering because, yes, the collective isn't showing up. But who are the players that are going to step up to take responsibility? And, and yes, Mohamed Salah getting a couple goals. But that's not good enough for the standard that we expect from him and the standard Liverpool needs for him to show up to.
3: I just wanted to say, just to add to what Mike said a bit, Mike made a point about he's not Trent. And I'm saying to Mike, you're paying attention to Trent because of what's going on in the press. That's what happens. You're you're mm-hmm. witnessing Trent stand and look. It's not the first time he's done it. He's done it times when they've won games comprehensively and destroyed teams and it never came up. It's only coming up now because of the attention he's getting from the press. That's my mm-hmm. point. And like Ian said, he's right. The whole team is not playing well. And again, when you look at the whole team, something that Michael said the other day, which he was right as well, is it's the emotional tiredness, the emotional defeated basically a great everything point. they've experienced for how many years consistently they've been playing now my thing and is a, this. how freaking hard they're working under Klopp, exactly. by the way. Nigel. so that's the biggest thing i see in liverpool i don't see bad players they're not bad players mm. i see tired players because to do what they did for the past four or five years the level the tempo they played at it's only natural mm. and real human nature to become a bit tired And that's all I see from this Liverpool team. I don't see the same energy in pressing. It's not that they're bad players, but to play at that level consistently, it's a lot of work. And that's all I see with them. They've taken it off. Very similar to another team where we're not talking about them that much, but it's it's West Ham. They're not in this conversation, but it's the same thing for West Ham. Unfortunately, they're not in the Champions
2: League, Nigel. This is a Champions League show, (sighs) so can we move on from West Ham? Go ahead, JJ. last
3: year anyway. and nearly
5: got to the final, but it's the same thing. I want to hear (laughs) from the (laughs) Frenchman here.
3: JJ, what do you got to say about
2: this?
5: Well, Nigel, one day you know another team in claret and blue might win oh the championship. Oh, it's, it's not going to be tomorrow. JJ comes, <laughs> JJ comes on
4: the show late because he was he was on the good stuff before the show. But go on, no, JJ. But
5: I mean, I, following on from that, I mean, it's a really good chat as well. I'm I'm very much enjoying it. I mean, there is an element of like physical fatigue in that team, but also at what point do you start to sort of question kind of a bit of like a, an emotional, mental. Um, you know, tiredness as well. You know, it, it, it's not, uh, you know, just by hazard that, you know, Klopp has this issue when it gets to sort of the seventh year. I think there's only so long that a team can really cope with such a style of plan. I'm not saying that Klopp needs to reinvent what he's doing or change who he is. You know, sometimes there is just sort of a natural period of time where the players can really buy into those ideas Uh, you know and, and with the tactics that Klopp plays as well it puts so much stress and strain on the midfield it's no surprise that once that position kind of starts to fall apart a bit to the point where you know Klopp and Liverpool panic at the very end of the transfer window go for someone like Arthur Mello a couple of years ago that was you know kind of unthinkable that Liverpool would do something so uncalculated point, Uh, you know and I think that points to you know a lot of concern uh, you know about how the players are you know really going to sort of continue uh, you know to, to play this way under Klopp because when things work they work fantastically but when it doesn't it's so hard to get those players motivated to get them running around and Klopp himself when I've been seeing some of his press conferences recently you know it comes across as not perhaps having the same hunger that he's had before a lot of his you know answers to questions are kind of rushed you know almost like he's tired with uh, you know some of the questions that are being put to him so you know I do think that there is perhaps that concerning element that you know perhaps we're starting to reach this point now where Klopp and Liverpool are, are coming to you know the the point where they've gone as far as they perhaps can with each other. I'm not saying that Liverpool need to sack Klopp, but it, it's you know perhaps time that they start thinking you know how much is there left in the tank uh, you know for this association. It's a great point. It's a great
2: talking point, and I'm sure many out there will debate it in, in one way or another. Um, I had a good friend of mine that played with me at St. Pauli. His name I won't mention because I don't want to embarrass him. <coughs> Ralph Gullish. And what I want to <laughs> say is he moved from St. Pauli to Mainz to join Jurgen Klopp at Mainz, and he couldn't handle it training was Mm. like ridiculous games were ridiculous and the demands on the players was was just so intense and I think players will struggle at some point you're going to burn out you can do it to world-class players and they will respond and in many ways you have seen Liverpool over the years really respond you've got the best out of these players but at some point burnout will approach and if you don't rotate players in so in other words if you don't have three or four new players coming in to keep things fresh you're going to find out that very quickly the squad will burn out. They get fed up with the tactics. They get fed up with the training sessions. They get fed up with the intensity that a Jurgen Klopp brings. Even though I'm a massive Jurgen Klopp fan and I love his style of football, you're finding out that the answers are not necessarily there. Rangers come into the game after a big uh, 4-0 victory against Hearts. They absolutely hammered them at the weekend. They were brilliant. Uh, For Rangers, there's no James Sands. He's suspended for this game after picking up a red card against Napoli at Ibrox. Uh, Ibrox. Tough one for Rangers in this one. So let's move on to Ajax against napoli the other game in the group napoli on fire Um, as our ajax even though ajax did have obviously a, a really interesting uh result at the weekend against go-ahead eagles they drew 1-1 um almost at full strength but this napoli side nigel you're a big fan of and clearly have to be a bit of a favorite even though this is a away game in amsterdam
3: yeah, I think that for me, I look at Napoli now, they need to get the job done. If they get the result, and I'm sure that that's what they'll be thinking, they'll be getting the result, then they'll be comfortably through to the next round. And I think that's the priority. You have to assess it in that kind of way. They're, they're leading the way. They know they've got a small squad. You know, they've got, um obviously, Awesome and their top strikers still not there yet. But mm-hmm. it's to try and get the job done as early as possible. Then that way you can give some fringe players an opportunity in the final game And you can really start preparing for the next stage and then continue to concentrate on Serie A. So I think they're in a very, very good place right now. Again, it's a team for me that's full of confidence, well-managed, very aware tactically what's expected in all of them, solid in the midfield, solid defensively, and also great attacking threats. Again, the only criticism or worry you have for Napoli is, as usual, strength in depth. You probably say the the first starting eleven, yes, picks itself. And then maybe two or three that can come off the bench, but that's about it. But to compete for Serie A and also the Champions League, you need a lot more than that. But if luck's on your side, who knows what can happen?
4: What I think this game is going to come down to, both teams boast front threes that are in form. For Napoli, Cavada has been probably the lead candidate for Serie A A early season player of the year, playing lights out the Georgian Messi. And when you look at the midfield, though, I think that's where Napoli intrigues me. The Cameroonian international, big fan of this guy, balled out at the Cup of Nations for Cameroon, getting goals, playing with a bit more flair, making those late runs like we saw from another African player who had success last season, Frank Kessie, the Ivorian for Milan. That is a different dimension. That adds a bit more confidence. They They have the bite in that midfield three. Zielinski, the Polish attacker, getting back on defense, but also being more creative in the Liverpool game. I thought he was excellent, thought he was class. I think that is where the game is going to come down to. For Ajax, Berghaus, he's been a revelation this season, both for the Dutch national team and for Ajax. In the Champions League, he's come alive, late runs from midfield. At Anfield, it was his late run in behind that set up the kudus finish. And speaking of kudus, I'm going to go African heavy. Love my African players. Muhammad Mohamed kudos this kid loves the champions league magical left foot can finish from distance would love to see him really really take the game by the scruff of the neck this is going to be a blockbuster matchup that I don't think a lot of people were expecting at this point in the group stage Mm -hmm.
5: yeah absolutely and I'm I'm kind of curious as well about the parallels between Napoli and Liverpool I mean obviously they are at different stages Mm -hmm. now but Napoli were a team in need of overhaul for quite a while before it actually happened last summer and now you're seeing sort of the the, the fruits of of the club you know taking that in hand and, and changing around a lot of the personnel. Suddenly this is a much more vibrant Napoli side they're, they're far more dynamic, far more dangerous. Uh, you know, especially at a, a continental level as well, where Italian teams have kind of suffered over the last couple of years. So to see them performing this way uh, at this stage in, a you know, what's quite a tricky group, uh, you know, is very encouraging. And I think, you know, this is also a, a game where whoever perhaps loses out in it is going to become very dangerous for a team like Liverpool between now and the end of the, the group stage because... This Ajax side, okay, they're perhaps not as swashbuckling as we've seen them in the last couple of years, but they still have a lot of experience and a lot of quality in that squad that can turn up for any given game. And suddenly, if they start taking points off for Liverpool, you know, this dan- this group can get pretty dangerous for them because I, I'm confident that Napoli will get the three points here, you know, and really take control of this group, and that I think will make Ajax really dangerous uh, for the likes of Liverpool between now and the end of the group stage.
2: Yeah, I think I make the mistake of actually betting against Ajax Amsterdam. I mean, it's very difficult to say going into this mm-hmm. game and going into the season after selling over 200 million euros of talent again, that Ajax could do damage in a group of like this this is a great group but yet again that conveyor belt of talent as Michael just appointed to they are young they are exciting it's the next man up and they are fun to watch so I find it very difficult to bet against Ajax especially when the game's being played in Amsterdam however with Napoli in the form that they're on and sitting top of the table in Italy um, obviously having a bit of competition with Atalanta I get it but I think it's, it's a strange season in Serie A And they have unearthed an absolute gem in Quarantzhelia. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. But this is the beauty of the Champions League. You find out where teams are at, who's good on the road, who's going to be really there or thereabouts when it comes to the knockout stages. And to see Napoli, if they were to go there and take all three points, I'd say they're essentially through to the knockout stages, which I didn't quite predict. Actually going into this group, so it would be job well done for an Ajax Amsterdam if that was the case. They were to get three points, and it would certainly open up this group. Napoli sitting top of the group with six points right now. Ajax and Liverpool sitting on three points. Um, obviously do or die for Rangers. Difficult ask for them. Two games against uh, Liverpool, and that wraps up Group A. Let's move on to the next group. We have got Group B. It's into Milan against Barcelona. Bayern Munich sitting pretty top of the table right now on six points. I didn't think I would see that, even though I betted against Bayern Munich. They've done well in the Champions League. Barcelona and Inter Milan, middle of the pack right now, both of them on three points. Let's discuss this one because Inter Milan still have their issues. I mean, we can clearly see that with a defeat at the weekend against Roma, poor offending. Um, But Barcelona, top of the table in La Liga. JJ, how do you see this one playing out?
5: Yeah, this one's really, uh, really intriguing because there's so much riding on it for uh, Simone Inzaghi. Uh, you know, and I think this Barca side as well, uh, you know, they would have hoped to have had six points from six at this moment in time. And like you said, you know, I think a lot of us were looking at Bayern sort of wondering when that form would drop off given what was happening in the Bundesliga, but they've emerged as the the strongest side so far. So, you know, this one, I think, really, uh, you know, could, you know, have quite an an influential impact uh, on the outcome of this group. And for me, I think, almost kind of feels like a must-win game for Inter because if they do, if they get beaten by Barca, and okay, I mean, it might be slightly unfair on Inzaghi to judge him on such a difficult game, but, you know, the alarm bells are well and truly ringing, uh, you know, at San Siro already. Yeah. So for me, I think that this, you know, could potentially, assuming that Barca win, you know, result in, in Inzaghi being replaced.
3: Yeah, I think it's a great game. It really is a great game. It's not good for Inter, but um, I do fancy uh, Barcelona. I think with Inter, you look at them against Roma this weekend. They had chances. They just couldn't put into back of the net. But again, they were restricted to outside the boxes, long-distance shots, and uh, they dominated most of the game. But again, it was a typical Mourinho... Um, set up for his team to get the win. And I, and the biggest thing with that is it's going to dent their confidence. That's the problem right now. I think with this inter-team right now, you can see they're going to be lacking confidence because when you play in games like that, where you dominate most of the game, you have most of the attempt and you lose 2-1 and then you're going into Champions League. There's already mumblings in Italian press about Inzaghi whether he's the right one or not. I feel for me right now, this is going to be, like Jonathan said, a make or break game for him. And I personally can't see them beating Barcelona. I think Barcelona are going to get the job done. You know, you look at Barcelona when they played against Bayern Munich and they were a really good team in that game. They, they had most of the better chances. They, again, they just missed their finishing boots. The old Lewandowski would have put them in the back of the net, but we're not going to get into that again. And uh, for, for, for Bayern... The safe word for Ian, when you say the word Bayern Munich, the safe word <laughs> yes. gets Ian going. <laughs> yes, <laughs> We've got to say they are very tuned into the Champions League. They are more so tuned into this Champions League mm. than they are into their domestic league. But we know when it's that time to turn on the tap domestically, they'll do it and go yeah. on a 10, 12 game unbeaten run. But the Champions League is something it looks like seems to be their big priority and the players seem to come more alive with the Champions League than domestic games. Mm. But I feel that for me personally, I can see a Barcelona win in this game. And uh, I think then again, it's it's another manager that's under pressure and you're going to have to start questioning whether it's time to get a new message, a new atmosphere in uh, Inter Milan. Mm-hmm. I want to read something off to
4: you and it's going to back up uh, what I'm about to say. Inter Milan in some of the big games they've lost against Lazio, only game they did not score first. But Roma scored first. Udinese scored first. Milan scored first. They score between the first couple minutes to the 30th minute in each of those games, they end up losing and all the goals or majority of those goals coming in the second half enter eight goals this season in the first half, majority of them coming in the first 30 minutes, 10 goals in the second half. That is alarm bells ringing for an Inter team that was really good in the second half in the past two seasons. That is what Inter is made of. Defensive solidarity and then hit you on the counter. They do have the individuals who can come up with magic. Lautaro Martinez, he's their leading goal scorer, but he hasn't turned up in the Champions League. He's had some half chances, but teams are locked into him because Big Rom, Romelu Lukaku, has been out. That is a massive injury blow to Inter. He was brought in to be an added difference maker. This is Martinez's team. And in the midfield, a player that is the unsung hero for this inter-team, Brazovic, Marcelo Brazovic, last season, 69% of the games that – or they won 69% of the games that he was on the field for. That's a massive percentage. It wasn't Martinez. It was Brazovic that was a difference maker, the linchpin in the middle of the park. He's out for injury as well. And a player in the back that was excellent last season that has been struggling this season, scriniar JJ, I know you love this guy, but he's been crap. He's been crap. Step piece, <coughs> defensive liability. And when you play against a Barcelona team that's humming right now, FC Barcelona, also want to remind you about this, they have only failed to score in two games this season. Rayo Vallecano, which I don't think anyone saw that, but maybe that was because getting all the new pieces together and Bayern Munich. And the only difference in that Bayern game was first half finishing. Nigel, you said it, Lewandowski not finishing, but also Pedri, midfield runners. You need to get more goals from them. Barcelona's golden goose isn't just Lewandowski, it's their front three. I love this front three. They each bring something different. Usman Dembele, again, could see him being the final product and the difference maker.
3: Mike, just a quick one. I just want to say something. I know you said about Big Rom not being there, he's injured, and obviously he's missing his goals. I personally feel that Big Rom won't be the same Big Rom, and we're talking about Roman Lukaku, without the coaching of Antonio Conte. Because Antonio Conte's coaching style is completely different in Zagi. and I feel Conte is the man that will get the most out of Roman Lukaku. So I feel even if Roman Lukaku is playing in this inter-side, he mm-hmm. won't be the same one that we saw. So yeah, you, you're saying I'm Conte, Conte back
4: to... Yeah, so you're putting the Conte back when Conte leaves Spurs. Uh, you you know what? From your lips to the interboard. Bring Conte Nigel,
2: Nigel Rio Coker just said that Conte is getting fired by Spurs <laughs> and going back to Inter Milan. Yes, that is right. Now listen, we got to move on quickly because I know Mike, you got to get out of here. Bayern Munich, uh, they take on Victoria Pilsen as the other game in the group. There, the mighty Bayern beat Leverkusen on Friday by four goals to nil. They do have some COVID issues though. Kimi and Muller both tested positive on mm. Friday after the game, which is not good for them. Let's move on to Group D: Frankfurt against Tottenham real quickly. Marseille versus Sporting Lisbon. Frankfurt, big win at the weekend for them. They've now won three games in a row ahead of this game against Tottenham not easy Spurs heavy defeat in the derby game the guys have covered it on Galazzo, first prem defeat of the season for them a tough one to take how will they react tough place to go play by the way Frankfurt with their supporters that's a tough game uh, Marseille against Sporting Lisbon last rule chance I would say for Marseille it looks like they're going to miss Kolasinac once again not quite sure what it was about Kolasinac JJ do you have anything there it says he's, uh, he's missing but unknown reason as to why he's missing the game do you know any any reason why <laughs>
5: Yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, the, I think he's injured uh, and will be out for uh, for a couple of weeks, but there is sort of a lot of speculation about a number of players really in this Marseille squad, whether Trudor really fancies them or not, because obviously you see them doing really well in Ligue 1 at this moment in time, fighting away at the top of the table. But it's... Uh, it, it's yeah it's it's just the same old story unfortunately it's so difficult for a lot of these French teams to translate their good domestic form into Europe um, you know and it does really feel like last chance And so I think that's mainly based on what we've seen from Marseille in Europe over the last couple of years there's not too much confidence in them getting out of the group and sporting I don't think many of us would have had them as sort of the group leaders yeah uh, you know after two rounds of games but uh, you know they're in a good position and obviously if they win against Marseille uh, you know that puts them well and truly in control of the of, of the group but frankfurt's away not the easiest place for for spurs to go and i think it will be a tough test but i i reckon that conte should be able to get his guys to get the job done oh, no, JJ wait, just mentioned. JJ, go ahead, Nigel. Uh, are you
3: going for marseille win then or marseille loss that's what i want to know
5: uh, <laughs> wait, i'm always I'm, I'm always backing the french teams and looking stupid for it wait yeah. so you're following your heart and not your head yeah i mean honestly i'm not expecting anything so anything's a bonus stay off the wine jj (laughs) all right (laughs)
2: All right, right, Sporting Lisbon topped the group there with six points there. Tottenham and Frankfurt equal on three points. Two two great games to look forward to. Obviously, away for Spurs first and foremost, and then they go back to London for the the next leg on match day four. Uh, Let's move on to to group B. It is Bruges who topped the table. They have a home game against Atletico Madrid. Incredible. I mean, this is a a big performance from Bruges already in the Champions League. And if they can get anything from these two games against Atleti, they could potentially put themselves through to the knockout stages. First game being played in Belgium. Another cracker in that group is Porto taking on Leverkusen. Both of those teams uh, really battling right now. Leverkusen struggling uh, domestically. Celwani looks like he's on the hottest of hot seats in the Bundesliga. And of course, for Porto, they've got zero points in the Champions League so far. Very, very disappointed. And there's a quick look at their group. Um, but big two games coming up, obviously, in Group B. Thank you very much for showing us the table. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll take a look at Wednesday's delicious fixtures, including Chelsea, with many calling it a must- win game against the Italian champions, AC Milan. Michael Hood, thank you so much for joining us in the first part. Enjoy yourself uh, with the meeting. Thanks for everything you've done for Major League Soccer and the regional networks. Nigel and JJ, stay right there. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
6: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, TaylorBrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T A I L O R B R A N D S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
2: Oh, welcome back to Kick so It's Ian Joy alongside Jonathan Johnson. Nigel Rio Coco will be joining us in just a minute. He's doing his daddy duties right now. Yes, that's right. He's looking after his kid. He'll be back in just a moment. I'm sure he'll have a special guest with him. We're previewing Wednesday's slate of Champions League fixtures, and there's a lot to look forward to. Let's start with Group E, JJ, Chelsea against AC Milan. Uh, Last-minute winner for Chelsea over Palace at the weekend. It was a cracking goal from Gallagher, I will say that. AC Milan seemed to be flying close to high. In Serie A, they left it late at the weekend, but Leal once again shined. This is a tough game. If you look at the group standings right now, Chelsea bottom of the table against top of the table Milan, but only three points separating them. How do you separate these teams going into this game?
5: I mean, obviously, it's, uh, you know, there are high stakes uh, for Chelsea in this one, because if they were to lose to Milan at home, you know, that really sets them back in terms of, uh, you know, certainly in terms of finishing top, but even just getting out of the group and into the latter stage of the Champions League. So I think this is an absolute must win. Uh, you know, at all costs. But, you know, Milan look uh, pretty solid, much more solid than they did last season. Uh, and I think that's just natural when you've got such a, a European giant returning to the stage with a bit of uh, experience. But it looks like somebody else has got something to say, so I'll hand it over to, to Nigel.
3: Special guest, Nigel? He just weighs special <laughs> guest. And he thinks... Uh, he thinks it's a massive game. Absolute massive for Chelsea. Before you go
2: anywhere and discuss the Chelsea-AC Milan game, could you please, <laughs> uh, you know, put Rome right on camera so we can actually see him there and everybody. Can you introduce him to everybody? I know he's made an appearance before, yeah, but Kegelazzo, special we'll guest. Now.
3: Say hello. <laughs> he said he's How you doing, buddy? Chelsea. All right,
2: We're Danny, go for it. Chelsea against AC Milan. Chelsea, as JJ was just touching upon right there, this is a massive game at home in Milan. A-
3: yeah, it's a massive, massive game. I, I don't know what JJ thinks, but I watched Chelsea against Palace this weekend. And for me, I'm still not convinced. I really do want Graham Potter to do well. I think it's going to take time. But again, it's the same questions for me. Like the system and the formation, he's trying to bed it in. And they were lucky this weekend because really and truly, Thiago Silva should have been sent off because that was a deliberate handball. He was the last man. And if he'd have got sent off, that would have changed the complete, uh, that would have changed the dynamic of the game. Totally. And that's just the luck that Chelsea are riding right now. I wasn't convinced in the performance. Uh, eventually, yes, they did get the job job, but it still wasn't convincing for me. And I feel right now, AC Milan are just better structured defensively and uh, better organized. And again, you're talking about Oliver Giroud returning to Chelsea. And it just, it's just written in there. It's in the stars. I know JJ can see it right now. <laughs> Giroud getting on the score sheet. And then again, you've got Rafael Leao right now, one of the hottest properties in world football. And I'm sure he's going to want to impress and do well. But I can't see... I personally see a Milan win. I really do. For once, we agree.
5: Uh, I've gone for a 2-1 Milan win in my predictions as well. I, uh, I yeah, I agree. I, I think that it's going to take time for Potter to, to start getting his ideas across, to start getting a tune out of this Chelsea side. Uh, and unfortunately, it could be that Europe ends up taking a hit and Chelsea could be one of those surprise teams that ends up dropping down into the Europa League. I mean, I'd say that it does work in their favour, obviously. Uh, you know, that they're, they're up against either uh, Dynamo's or Grebel's Salzburg for second spot in the group, but, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy for them, especially if Milan win this game, as we expect. How do you expect them to win this game, though, Nigel?
2: I mean, AC Milan, obviously we recognise what they're doing, and you you mentioned some of the names that they've got at Milan, and they're playing well right now. They did leave it late at the weekend, though, obviously scored a couple of goals after the 90-minute mark, but you mentioned that Leao seems to be the one that they rely on heavily to come up with big goals and big occasions when they need it most. And they do have other weapons, clearly. We recognise the, the, the presence that they have up top and the story that Giroud could create at Chelsea. But how do they beat this Chelsea side? I recognise Potter's not had many games in charge at Chelsea Football Club, but this is a game, in my opinion, that he
3: must win. He cannot afford to he lose. Knows, he football. definitely has to win it. it it's a massive game. But again, I think that the media are going to be kind to him and say, you know, he's new. He's trying to implement his ideas. These are not his players, which is all going to be part of it. But again, half early Alfam for is going to be the key man. I think you're going to look at AC Milan side. It's going to come there. They're going to be defensively organised. They're going to take their time. They're going to let Chelsea have to come onto them. They have to try and score goals, which is going to suit Milan perfectly well. And it's going to be a counter-attacking kind of situation you're going to look at. You've got Giroud, who's going to be a fantastic target man. Great footballer. I think we did a podcast earlier and someone mentioned that he just looks happy and at home and at peace. He's enjoying his football. Footballers are the most dangerous when they're at a club. They feel valued. They're happy. Their family is happy. And they're at home and they're at peace. And that is what we're seeing from Giroud right now. And obviously the World Cup hopes as well. Coming back to Chelsea, there's always going to be one of that thing that he's going to want to score against them. And I think for me, it's going to be that like half an out, and, and you're worried about that back three right now. If he can isolate himself in one-on-one moments to get at that back three with whoever starts, you do have to fancy him because he is a handful. And again, it's similar in the sense of you when you look at him, he's six foot something, strong, quick, aggressive, great technical ability. I mean, you look at the the, the goal that he finished uh, this weekend in Serie A. What a fantastic finish that is. Picked up the ball from about the halfway line and just Mm -hmm. make it look so easy. And that's not an easy finish at all. When the ball's rolling at you, you just scoop it over the keeper. But I do feel it's going to be counter-attacking from AC Milan, and they're going to want to get the job done. And I think there's going to be more pressure under Chelsea. And just to finish to that, it's just when you go into playing these games, you've got to think about the crowd and the involvement. I personally still don't feel that the the Chelsea fans have fully bought into Potter yet because it's going to take time. If Mm -hmm. Milan can frustrate Chelsea at home for the first 20 minutes and then the crowd start moaning and growing and confidence starts going from players, that's when Milan can capitalise. They just have to go there not believing or not thinking that they have to win this game in the first 10, 15 minutes.
2: Yeah, Romeo agrees with you on that one right there as well. A lovely little comment. JJ, real quickly on Giroud. He seems like he's really settled. We've spoken about him a number of times on the show because he keeps scoring goals, especially in Serie A, if I'm not mistaken, it's five goals in the season from him, one in the Champions League. But he seems obviously at his age right now, he's still got a lot to offer for Milan. Is this kind of what we're saying also about the French national team
0: when it comes to him?
5: Yeah, I mean there is a debate starting up as to whether Giroud should be sort of back with France full time for the for the World Cup, given that he just made his return. Uh, there were so many injuries, so you know Giroud came back in and immediately was sort of you know a leadership figure, given uh, you know the years that he's had with Le Bleu, uh, you know, and the the experience that he's accrued. And you know, I don't think that you can. Overlook somebody who is still performing so well and keeping himself in such good shape at that level. I mean, okay, he doesn't have to go to the World Cup as a starter, but I think based on his form for Milan at this moment in time, uh, you know, and, and based on what he's given France over the years, that you, you know, you can always depend upon him. Uh, you know, I'd be surprised if Deschamps doesn't consider him, uh, you know, somebody who really ne- is a necessity uh, going to Qatar, especially when you look at some of the issues going on with the French national team at the moment, Kylian. Mbappe, you know, men- mentally, Giroud is that sure value that you really need, uh, you know, in a tournament like that. And, you know, obviously he's hugely influential for, for Milan as well. So if his form remains as it is uh, in Serie A bet- and the Champions League between now and the World Cup, uh, I think he'll be on the plane.
3: Uh, Jonathan, just a quick one. So there hasn't been much rumblings in the press in France in the sense of maybe trying to push the next one through like Nkuku ahead of uh, bringing the old guard of Giroud back. Has there been any kind of rumblings like that in the French press?
2: He's in the mix though. He's in the mix.
3: But he's in in the the mix, mix. but then there's actually, you know, playing him and, you know, saying this is the next generation. Let's give him more of a
5: chance and
3: keep Giroud. There's more of that supporting role. Jesus Christ. The
5: off. Yeah, but also at the same time, uh, you know, th- this has been one of the criticisms of Deschamps for years now that he has so much potential uh, talent uh, available to him. Uh, and it's, you know, that it's, it's, he doesn't really tap into that talent pool. And, you know, there are concerns that sort of France are wasting this dyna- uh, dynastic potential that they have uh, because. Deschamps is so loyal to, to those servants who have, you know, performed so well for him so many times over the years. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, it's not just about talent Uh, you know and obviously if it was based on talent alone and and form sort of over the last 12 to 18 months Nkunku would be on that plane uh, to Qatar but it's not just about that when you're talking about what's going on at international level so the World Cup at the end of the year you need to build a squad uh, you know fit for the that tournament and there you need to have guys who recognize what they can bring to the team what they can't bring to the team anymore but also you know the steady presence somebody who's not going to kick up a fuss despite the fact that you know he knows that perhaps there are teammates who don't think that highly of him uh, and I think Jura is one of those characters who wouldn't let it affect his ability to perform if he goes yeah I had a great
2: conversation with Fabrizio Romano this morning discussing the fact that Build Zeitung had uh made an article about Christopher Nkunku having the secret medical for Chelsea Football Club, and it looks like he could be on his way to London. So absolutely in the mix right there. But it's a big one for Chelsea against AC Milan. Uh, Milan top in the group with four points, Chelsea bottom of the group with only one point. So that tells you how big a game it is really in London for Graham Potter's side. The other game in the group is Salzburg against Dinamo Zagreb. Zagreb on three points, Salzburg with two draws already. Um, mid-table clash, but if either of these sides can, can take maximum points... Um, over the two games that they've got coming up here. They put themselves well and truly in the mix. Let's move on to Group H Just Benfica against Paris Saint-Germain. PSG top of the group with six points. Benfica, second top of the group with six points. Um, it's an absolute banger to look forward to. PSG won again at the weekend. Messi and Mbappe on the score sheet. Benfica drew at the weekend against Uymares. Uh JJ, I mean, obviously PSG in the form that they're in, very difficult to stop, but Benfica, with the way they're playing in the Champions League this campaign, going to be a tough task for
1: them.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Benfica are in really formidable form at the moment. I'm curious as well to see if Julian Draxler manages to to bring the curse of the X upon uh, PSG, uh, you know, given uh, that he moved uh, in the summer transfer window. Um, you know, this this one, I, I was quite confident it would be the battle between the top two um, in the group, uh, at the beginning of the group stage. I'm not surprised to see Juve struggling. I am surprised to see them pointless, uh, you know, after mm-hmm. the first two games. But then again, considering I fancied Benfica and PSG, It's not that much of a surprise, really. And this, you know, whoever wins this is in a really, really strong position because it effectively guarantees that they will go through as one of the the top two in the group. Um, I still think that there's some fine tuning left to do for PSG. Great to see Messi. Mm enjoying himself, you know, having such fun, again, uh, scoring a superb free kick over the weekend. But there are still some defensive lapses. Obviously, Kimpembe being out is is an issue for PSG. And this Benfica side, they just seem so consistent at this moment in time, so much more solid. I mean, they unexpectedly, uh, you know, went on a fairly deep run last season in the Champions League. But now under Roger Schmidt, uh, you know, they look like they're a bit more pragmatic. You know, they've got some real talent in that team as well. Um, you know, and I think that Benfica could surprise PSG. I don't think that they'll beat them, but I'm not sure that PSG will necessarily get the win on the road. Nigge.
2: Go on, jump in. Wait, you got you gotta like you gotta let yeah, us hear you. Because I don't care. If Lil if
3: Lil Rome wants to have a comment on
2: this game as well, let him have a comment. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah, don't he worry will, he about wants it. To
3: smack it. No, no, behave. Um, yeah, No. I think pretty much Jonathan really covered everything, really and truly. I think yeah. uh, for me, the, the Benfica side could cause his Paris Saint-Germain side uh, problems. The thing with Paris Saint-Germain, we know it. They've got probably the best attacking players in world football that we've seen in such a long time. So they're always going to get goals. But it's always about that. Have they got that togetherness, that team spirit? Have they really got that solidarity defensively and also in that midfield area? Obviously, yeah. we're seeing the evolution of Messi right now where he's become more of a facilitator in the sense of he's providing for players, they've got runners off him and he's getting a lot more assists. And obviously, yes, he's still got the quality and ability to score goals from free kicks, but it's getting that real all-rounded togetherness is kind of still what's missing for this Paris Saint-Germain side.
2: Yeah, really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. JJ, you don't seem so confident right there. And I know you've been a fan of this Benfica side. So it's nice to hear you not being so confident because this game is going to be a difficult one for PSG. Uh, The other game in the group is Juventus against Maccabi Haifa. Uh, Two must-win games for Juventus. I'll let you both have a quick comment on this one. Vlahovic scored at the weekend. Juve got the win. We'll keep it quick on Juve, Maccabi Haifa. But JJ, this is uh, two games that Juventus simply have to win to have any chance of getting into the knockout stage.
5: Yeah, they have to win and they should win. If they don't win, then, you know, they deserve to to finish bottom of the group. That's no disrespect to Maccabi Haifa. But, you know, Juve should really be battling, you know, with Benfica for that second spot. And they've already already left themselves a lot of work to do. Uh, You know, I'd be surprised if they don't take four to six points from that double header against Maccabi Haifa. But then again, you know, I'm not surprised when Juve play poorly because I just think that you know, they lack so much under Allegri at the moment. It's very, very difficult to, to feel too positive about them. Nigel.
3: I think that it's it's time for change there, Juve. There really is time for change. It's, it's, we, we've we've talked about it. It's there for us to see. They need to make changes. I wouldn't be surprised if there is an upset, Jonathan. I'm going to be very honest. I would not be surprised. I think that fans already not coming to the stadium, not coming to games, and it's Champions League games, not just domestic games. They're showing already how they feel And for such a big club, as they call the old lady, they need to reinvent themselves and become the new lady because that's the problem there. And I think that it's that time now. They really need to make changes. And um, for me, I would not be surprised if there is an upset in that game.
2: If an upset happens in that game, I'm certain the rumors will intensify even more so when it comes to Allegri. However, it seems to me like the the salary and the demands and the project that Juventus are talking about being three or four years is holding anything up from considering a, a possible firing at this stage. But if the results continue to go downwards, especially in the Champions League, if they don't make it to the knockout stage from this group, I think it will be a dangerous times for Allegri. Let's move on to Group F. Uh, Real Madrid topped the group with six points. Shakhtar second in the group with the four points there. They go head-to-head. Uh, first game being played in Madrid. Real Madrid drew at the weekend. Benzema missed a penalty kick at the weekend. Uh, not a great result for them because it allowed Barcelona to go top of the table. Shakhtar obviously coming in uh, with such a, a high quality squad but no more Brazilians it's full of Ukrainian players it's a tough ask for them at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid the other game in the group is Leipzig against Celtic two huge huge games for these clubs coming up there Leipzig no points already in the group Celtic with the one point desperate to try and get back into this competition and maybe compete with Shakhtar to go through the group we'll keep it real quickly as we move on to close out the show here Nigel um, what do you see from these two games coming up we'll start with Real Madrid Shakhtar then move on to Leipzig Celtic what do you think?
3: Yeah, Real Madrid for me, I think they should get the job done. Obviously, it's a bit of a stumble uh, this weekend domestically. Benzema missing the penalty. But for me, I still feel that they're the best team in the Champions League. And I say that because they're the best all-rounded team, in my opinion, in the Champions League to get the job done. And when you look at Real Madrid style, we talk about all these different teams and their style. And you look at Man City and and, and Pep Guardiola's style. You look at Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, high tempo, high energy. We can never say that about Real Madrid that they play a high tempo. I do. They just play football. I would say in that intermediate level, they press when they need to press, they yeah. break when they need to be great. Break. They they can sit behind the ball and 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 defend when they have to do so. And I feel that they're the best all round coach team, and they have some of the best players in the world. I feel they'll get the job done. I think um, uh, for me, Celtic it's a bit too much. It's a big ask for Celtic right now, and uh, it's uh, something that's a bit too far, <laughs> as Romans there agreeing with me
5: so new uh, time I'll let you
3: go in John mate
5: go on JJ. <laughs> yeah I mean the, the the funny thing about Real is you know we think back to the summer when they very nearly signed Mbappe how different could this Real side look now because I feel that you know the summer yeah. signing particularly of, of Chiuameni has really you know breathed new life into this Real side being able to rejuvenate that midfield and that is giving Real another shot at continuing their continental dominance. And OK, you know, the draw at the weekend aside, it's been a, a solid start to the season domestically as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I actually think it could have been a blessing in disguise because Real were in need of that sort of overhaul <laughs> in other areas, not necessarily just adding a star player like uh, Mbappe up front. And, you know, I think that this is really a Real side that's just primed to get the absolute maximum out of all of the the star talent that they've assembled over the years. Uh, and it feels like they might still have a little bit left to give. I I was doubtful. I thought that last season with the Champions League might have been sort of the final drop of uh, of, of the golden juice, so to speak. But, yeah. you know, perhaps there is a little bit left, uh, you know, in the bottle still. So I, I certainly think that, uh, you know, Real will... You know, ease to, to victory, getting out of this group because the big surprise is that Leipzig, you know, don't have anything, uh, you know, after the the first two round of games, uh, and that makes this clash with Celtic, you know, a real tricky one for them, especially given that the way that they lost to Shakhtar in the opening round of games, uh, and this one could get dangerous for, for for Leipzig given the 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 lack of points already at this stage, and we're heading into the midway point.
2: Yeah, I think Celtic will sense that these two games are their chance to potentially get to the knockout stages and, of course, domestically doing very well. Um, They had that recent defeat against St. Myrna, if I'm not mistaken, which was a bit of a shock. I watched that game really surprised to see that type of performance where they couldn't finish but they've got to finish against Leipzig under new uh, boss Marco Rosa Leipzig have been better but still nowhere near good enough to compete and they need to compete right now against Celtic to get themselves into the knockout stage they will also sense that this is their opportunity so big ones coming up obviously in Group F and the final one to close out Manchester City or should I say Erling Haaland against Copenhagen that one to look forward to City top of the group with six points Copenhagen one point from the two games that they played so far and the other one's an absolute cracker Sevilla against Dortmund not many people will talk about this game but Dortmund on three points Sevilla on one point uh Sevilla just struggling I mean even domestically just struggling even watching them right now has become really frustrating because you know that they've got some talent I know they've sold a lot of players um especially for for big money but also experience And they've tried to replace bringing experience into the club, but it's just not working out for Sevilla right now. For Borussia Dortmund, selling Erlen Haaland has been a problem. Injuries have been a problem for them. They can't seem to get it right. They lost at the weekend as well against Cologne. Um, But these two games are massive. Let's touch upon the Sevilla Dortmund game more than anything else, JJ. This one's a, a, a game that quietly could go under the radar as a cracker.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think uh it really feels like it's time for a mercy killing. Uh, you know, with with Lopetegui, It kind of feels like he's been on the edge of that hot seat now for a month or so. And it's I mean, it really wouldn't surprise me if, you know, that axe is wielded at some point. It's just a bit bizarre, really, that Sevilla have waited so long to to make the decision because it's been so obvious. I know that I've gone in on Sevilla a number of times since the beginning of the season. I, you know, I kind of feel a bit harsh about doing it. It's almost like kicking someone when they're down, but I'm I'm staggered really by this squad, well, underwhelmed more than staggered by this squad that that Monchi has assembled because it just it, it's yeah, it's just not it it doesn't feel like a, a an intelligently assembled squad that you would associate with him and yeah. uh you know, I feel that Lopetegi unfortunately is paying the price for some very very dubious uh you know, transfer dealings which has left him, you know, with a really poor hand to play. Uh, I know there's rumours now growing that Sampaoli obviously left Marseille in the summer might go back uh, to Sevilla. That would be an interesting one, but I think whoever comes in next after Potegi because the the axe will fall on him, uh, you know sooner or later, probably sooner, uh, and you know they will have a really really difficult job on their hands because mm-hmm. I don't see nearly enough quality there, yeah. uh, you know both for their domestic and continental needs.
2: Yeah, and I, you know what, actually, to say the same about Borussia Dortmund, if you look at what they're trying to do domestically, obviously the injuries have been catastrophic for them. Losing Sebastian Alaire, your big signing uh, to testicular cancer and going through chemotherapy, we wish him well. It's it's a big loss for them, but Adeyemi injury injury, uh, Reina injury, now Marco Reus injury. I mean, it's just a terrible time for Borussia Dortmund. They can't get a little bit of luck, a fortune of keeping players healthy so that they can actually develop into a good team. They've already lost three games in the Bundesliga from eight already, the fourth in the Bundesliga. So in the Champions League, I'm not expecting much from Borussia Dortmund, but they will absolutely see these two games coming up against Sevilla as their opportunity to go in behind Manchester City into the knockout stages. They sit second right now on three points with Manchester City flying high and another chance uh, for Erling Haaland to get a hat trick he was terrific at the weekend boys that's us wrapping up our Champions League preview show thank you so much as always for joining us Nigel Rio Coker Jonathan Johnson we had Michael LaHood early on and Lil Rome as well where is he there he is Nigel thank Closing you so trouble. much trouble
5: this is life what a cameo this yeah. is
2: life right and and this that's is life this is life for us yeah. we gotta do it we're gonna do these shows whether Rome's there or not he's a great part of our show he's an important part of our show thank you so much Rome for joining yeah, us and, uh, I'll tell cool. you what I'm he speaks
5: more sense than his dad that's for <laughs> sure
2: <laughs> I thought you were going to say he's better looking than his father but yeah thanks to you boys as that's always
5: a, that's, a, that's a given
2: <laughs> I appreciate you enjoy the games this week we'll catch up tomorrow on the, the post game show immediately after the Champions League games we will be back on live on Kegelatso a lot to look forward to tomorrow on Tuesday Uh, please also make sure you go check out my chat with Fabrizio Romano this morning that's available on YouTube it was absolutely eye-opening also revealed to us uh, that he has a bit of a love affair with Arsenal Football Club and he believes that maybe they can compete with Manchester City in the Premier League this year which surprised me from Fabrizio so go check that out on Kegelatso's YouTube page Uh, thanks everybody for listening to Kegelatso make sure you take a minute to leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform uh, we're available on apple podcast spotify stitcher and anywhere else you listen to your podcast we're also available as video so subscribe to us on youtube visit youtube.com forward slash Lat. so unfortunately for nigel yes we're available on video see you next time everybody enjoy the games this week we'll catch you tomorrow after tuesday slate.
1: okay picture this